The following is a hoop ball presentation. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Ball Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. My name is Stuart Burkhart. I am your host. You can follow me on Twitter at beefstu69. That is B E E F S T U 69. And of course, as always, be sure to check us out over at hoop-ball.com. Hoop-ball.com for all the basketball content you're looking for, be that DFS, season-long fantasy, other team-specific podcasts like this one, or betting content. We've got all that for you over at hoop-ball.com. So today on the podcast, I want to talk about the Pacers game from a couple of days ago very briefly. Uh, Today is April the 9th, so I'm recording this in the afternoon ahead of the Timberwolves playing the Celtics. So I want to do that, uh, talk about that Pacers game briefly, but I want to spend most of the time in this podcast talking about the tank, and I don't mean the Wolves are tanking because I don't think they are, I think they're just bad, but I do want to talk about lottery odds, I want to talk about the other teams that are going to be competing for those lottery odds, and where things stand with that, and try to you know, give you some data so that you have a realistic expectation of how likely is it that the Wolves actually get their pick. All that coming up for you. Let's start with the Pacers game. So on Wednesday, the Wolves lost to the Pacers 137-141. to This was sort of a weird game. The Wolves really relied very heavily, and this will be not surprising, to Carl Anthony. Uh, they relied very heavily on Carl Anthony Towns. They also relied heavily on Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. I mean, it was the the usual suspects as far as people taking a ton of shots, people initiating the offense. And generally, those three were pretty good. Uh, D'Lo was sort of inefficient. He only played 24 minutes, and he uh, just shot 5 of 15 from the field. He had 17 points, went to the line five times, and had five assists. So, uh, you know, and he's obviously a zero on defense. It was fine. It wasn't really much from uh, D'Lo. Carl Anthony Towns had 32-12. and 12. He tied Kevin Garnett for the most 30-10 games in franchise history, which is kind of incredible. Uh, he will hold that record probably for a long time, assuming that he stays with this franchise for much longer, which I expect he will. Uh, so 32 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and a block. Really... Just, I mean, he shot 12 of 17 from the field and 6 of 8 from the line. I was kind of surprised to see him miss two free throws, but, you know, overall, very, very good game for him. And then, you know, Jaden McDaniels got back to playing a lot, which was nice to see. He was effective defensively, not very effective offensively, but, you know, he's really started to settle into the role he had maybe two, three weeks ago where he's putting up four or five shots a game. So some days he'll make all five shots, and then he'll have 12 points. And in those games, the offense looks really good. And in games like this where he makes three shots and has eight points, it's whatever. It doesn't really you know, move the needle on that. What does move the needle is the fact that he had seven rebounds. So again, he's rebounding better. And as I have said before and will continue to say, Jaden McDaniel's rebounding is one of the most important things for this team. And it's one of the reasons this team was able to get back into this game 
was because of rebounding uh, on the offensive end of this, uh, certainly. And they did out-rebound the Pacers offensively and overall. But this was a game where, for reference, the Timberwolves as a team shot 52.7% from the field. The Pacers as a team shot 59.1% from the field. And big games from Aaron Holiday. Uh, TJ McConnell shot 9 of 12 from the field. He had 19 points. Aaron Holiday, uh, 6 of 8, had 22 points. Chakar Sampson had 16 points. Karis LeVert had 18. Justin Holiday had 21. I mean, it was just really frustrating because as you're watching it, the Wolves were playing really well offensively, and they just could not stop the Pacers at all. And they made a little comeback towards the end of the game. They were down shockingly, dug themselves a hole, and then almost dug themselves out of it. It was a close game. At the end of the game, they looked like they had a chance to win, potentially. Uh, did not happen, so they lost by four. And look, this, this team has flashes. You know, between this game and the next game, it's hilarious to see they have flashes where they have a really good defensive game, and they have flashes where they have a really good offensive game. But it, it feels like they never just put it both together except for that Pelicans game where they won by, like, 30. That was the only game all season where it felt like they put together their best offensive and defensive performance at the same time. And really good teams, they do that routinely. The Jazz do that all the time. The Jazz put together a really good offensive and defensive performance regularly. But the Timberwolves just are not able to do that right now. And, I mean, when... You know, your broadcasters are supposed to be sort of homers. They're supposed to say you're playing well even when you aren't. But when the broadcaster says it looks like the other team is participating in a layup line when you're playing defense, it was just unbelievably brutal. And it was not, you know, I don't think this was a D'Angelo Russell issue. This was a whole team issue. Everyone looked lost. This just, it, it looked like they didn't know what the hell they were doing. To be honest with you, I was just completely confused as to how they played such poor defense, and and it was a team effort. It was not, like I said, it was not just D'Angelo Russell getting blown by, which I would have expected, and that's what you take with him because that's his game. He's not a good defender. It was everyone playing porous defense. And that includes some of the good players on defense. That includes Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns, and just for, for the record here, the Pacers were without their three best players. So they were without DeMontis Sabonis, they were without Malcolm Brogdon, and they were without Miles Turner. Those are the three best players in the Pacers. And without all three of those players, the Pacers still shot 59%. Goga Bitazde, who was the, the who's their backup center, Carl Anthony Towns was guarding for much of this game. He had 14 points. It just, I mean, for the Pacers, they had, 
seven players in double figures. The Timberwolves had five. I mean, I don't know what to say. It was such a bad game for so many people on that end of the floor. It was painful to watch. And for some guys like Jordan McLaughlin, it was bad on the offensive end too. Now I do want to say, this was the best Jarrett Culver has looked maybe in his entire Timberwolves career. He still didn't look that good, but it was the best he has looked. Uh, he had eight points, three rebounds, and two assists. And he even had a block. Three or five from the field. Made a three-pointer. So it was nice to see Jarrett Culver go from being useless, unplayable NBA player to being simply kind of bad NBA player. Moving right along... Don't want to talk about the Pacers anymore. That It was a bad game. Let's move on. And let's talk about the 2021 NBA Draft, where the Timberwolves will very likely not be selecting a player. The Timberwolves obviously traded their first-round draft pick, top three protected, to the Golden State Warriors, along with Andrew Wiggins in exchange for D'Angelo Russell. I think it was probably necessary. I wish they had protected it more. For instance, if their pick was top five protected, if you have the number one, if you have the, the best lottery odds, you finish with the worst record, you're actually guaranteed to not fall out of the top five. So if you're one through three, I just want to go ahead and, and show you guys the odds here. I just want to talk about, based on which spot the Wolves finish in, what the odds would look like. Let's first talk about the standings and the teams that the Wolves could catch up to in the standings. So, as of right now, the Wolves are 13-39. and 39. They are only one win behind the Houston Rockets, who are 14-37. and 37. The next Western Conference team is Oklahoma City, who's 20-32. and 32. I don't think they're going to catch up to Oklahoma City. You know, even if they... If Oklahoma City would have to basically lose all of their games left. And if Oklahoma City lost 90% of their remaining games and the Wolves won half of their remaining games, then the Timberwolves would be able to take them over. So I don't think that's happening. In the East, there's a couple of interesting teams. The Pistons are at 16-36. and 36. I certainly think the Wolves can catch them. They are very bad. The Orlando Magic are at 17 and 34. They've looked surprisingly competent since they decided to blow everything up at the deadline, but they're still bad. So, you know, they were bad before they traded away Vucevic and Aaron Gordon, so they're obviously not better now. The Wizards are at 18 and 32, and the Cavs are at 19 and 32. So, realistically, I don't think the Wolves pick is going to fall out of the top three. I think at the very worst it would fall to four. But that would require them to catch Orlando, and I don't see that happening. So in the top three, 
the three bottom finishing teams all will have equal odds of getting the first overall pick at 14%. Remember, they changed this a few years ago because they wanted the lottery to discourage teams from tanking, which it hasn't done, but it's just made it so that teams that are bad stay bad longer, but I digress. I'll get into that in a second here. 14% at pick number one, 13.4% at pick number two, and 12.7% at pick number three, which means that you have just about a uh, 40% chance of having a top three pick if you're one of the three worst teams in the NBA. It's actually funny because it's about the same odds to have a top three pick that the number five seeded team will have to have a top four pick. In fact, it's almost the same odds as the number six team will have to have a top four pick. So there, let's be honest here. There's a 59.9% chance they don't get their pick even if they finish with the worst record in the NBA. Even if they finish one of the three worst records in the NBA. And the Timberwolves in their franchise history. This this statistic baffles me. I can't believe this is even true. You'd think this team puts themselves in the lottery every year. They're a perennial lottery team. So how is it true? But I promise you, this is true. The Timberwolves have never moved up in the draft. They have never once benefited from the draft lottery. So let's talk about that. Because... A lot of these sports have done lottery-type things. The National Hockey League has moved into a lottery. And the NBA does a lottery. But Major League Baseball and the NFL do not. Now, my personal preference is that lotteries are dumb. Because if the Orlando Magic are any indication... Having a lottery has not stopped teams from tanking. At all. The Magic didn't sit there and go, well, you know, we'll only have a a 40% chance of having a top five pick instead of a 100% chance if we finish in the bottom five. They don't care. This is why it's so frustrating, because the Timberwolves, they aren't trying to tank. They're really not. I mean, they want to win games. They want to see what they have in D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns. And right now, this team, it's looking like, is going to be hurt because the league wants to stop tanking. Which happens. Absolutely it does. By the front office. The front office will put together bad rosters intentionally to try and get good picks. That's what the process was. And they got incredibly lucky to get the picks they did. But at the end of the day, when you're looking at the lottery system, it is a system that inherently helps teams that are in the middle of the pack. It inherently makes it better to be the sixth worst team than it does to be the worst team. Because if you're the sixth worst team, your odds are not drastically different. And if your odds are not dramatically different than the worst team, 
then you can sell some more tickets by being the sixth worst team. But what that means is, let's say you're the sixth worst team, and you have about the same odds. Let's just look at this this way. Who is in a better position to be good in the near future? The sixth worst team right now is Cleveland. Cleveland or Detroit? Who's in a better position to be good in the near future? Well, I would argue Cleveland. I mean, quite clearly. I think the answer is Cleveland, and it's not close. Let's go a little further down. Who's in a better position to be good? Tied for the seventh spot? Oklahoma City and Toronto. Sacramento's next. All of those teams have nearly a 15% chance of having the number one pick. Imagine if Sacramento got the number one pick. And this is why I'm anti-lottery system. Because I truly believe, and this is partially, this is definitely influenced by the fandoms I have. Because in the two sports that have lotteries, the Timberwolves, and I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. And both of those teams have just gotten consistently screwed by the lottery. Time and time again. And they keep making it worse. They keep making it worse for the top, for the teams with the worst records. And what it does is it means that teams like Sacramento, teams like Toronto, teams like Cleveland, these teams that are bad but they aren't the worst teams in the league, end up with top three picks. And then they get superstars, while teams like Minnesota get Jarrett Culver. Now, I know they traded up for Jarrett Culver. But the point is, these are the sorts of things that happen. Quite regularly. And it's infuriating. It's infuriating to see that the NBA, they decided that it would bring more parity. All I see it doing is just screwing over the teams that need the help the most. You know, the reason that the worst team should have the best odds of getting the number one pick is because they were the worst team. Now, once in a while, once in a blue moon, you'll get a result like Golden State last year. And maybe James Wiseman is a transformational superstar. But at the moment, I don't see any evidence that, that James Wiseman is going to impact their ability to win a championship this year or next. Their window is closing. So while they're very happy to have Wiseman for the future, he's not going to help them win a championship this year. They're not going to win a championship this year. Minnesota this year. I don't think they're the worst team in the NBA. I think they're better than Houston, Detroit, Orlando, Washington. I think they're probably in that same range with Cleveland and Oklahoma City. I think they're like the sixth worst team in the NBA. Just as far as the talent on the roster. But at the end of the day, because 
the NBA wants to promote this idea of parity, of fairness. A team like the Timberwolves, a downtrodden franchise that has had nothing but sorrow except for the Jimmy Butler year. I mean, what was the best season outside of that? The two Thibodeau seasons are like the best seasons of Wolves franchise history in the last, you know, since Kevin Garnett left. I don't even know what to say. And, and this is partially, this is a problem of this, this team has been run so poorly for years and years and years. And it's not like NBA 2K where you can just go in and trade everybody and make everything better. It doesn't work like that. But clearly, this team has put itself in a position to not be able to make a huge selection. Here's a question for you. Would you rather have Andrew Wiggins in a guaranteed top five pick in this year's draft or D'Angelo Russell? Maybe some folks out there are still Andrew Wiggins haters. I am an Andrew Wiggins apologist, and I always have been, and I always will be. Andrew Wiggins is a good NBA player. He's a good NBA starter. And I would much rather have Andrew Wiggins and Jalen Suggs. Or whomever you might get in that top five. Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kuminga. Whomever it might be. I would much rather, much rather have those players... than to have D'Angelo Russell. And I'm a D'Angelo Russell apologist. But there's nothing like having your picks. And I think time and time again, what we see, I think there this is pretty evident. In the NBA, when you trade first-round picks for guys who are not superstars, it does not help you to win championships. It just, it doesn't help you. It only hurts you. And it's so frustrating. And we'll see. Maybe it'll all end up being okay. Maybe the Wolves will win a bunch of games and then look okay, and then their pick will fall to, like, the 11th spot, and then they'll say, okay, whatever we gave Golden State, a lottery pick, but a, a lower lottery pick. Or maybe it'll go to four or five, which is where it looks like it's going to go. And let's say it doesn't. Let's say the Wolves get that top three pick. Then what? Golden State is your unprotected pick the following year. You still have D'Angelo Russell's contract, which, unless he starts playing a lot better, isn't going to be taken on without you giving up more picks. They're in a precarious position. Now, there's good things. The fact that you have Carl Anthony Towns, you have Anthony Edwards, that's very good. The fact that you have Malik Beasley signed cheaply is very good. I actually think the fact that Angelo Russell is there is very good, too. I hate his contract. I love him as a player. 
I love the ice in my veins. I, I love the way that he has that alpha mentality. He wants to go out and win the game. He wants to be the guy with the ball in his hands in the last possession. Now, it probably should be Carl Anthony Towns, but sometimes it could be him. So, for D'Angelo Russell, it's a bad contract, but, I mean, this team has some solid building blocks. And this season, I mean, I think the best way to think of it is they're not going to get their pick. It's more likely than not they're not going to get their pick. Because of that, I would say watch for development. Watch when, as D'Lo starts to play more minutes, watch for development. But the frustrating thing is now with Malik Beasley out, this is the problem this franchise has had. What do we really have in this core? We can see what I think the three best players on the team, D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and Carl Anthony Towns, look like together. And so far, the results are very promising, especially on the offensive end. But we're going to need to see more from the Wolves. And we're going to need to see Malik Beasley with these guys. Because I think he's a core piece of this. Now, I will say, I think Malik Beasley is not a core piece in the same way those other guys are. But he is an important piece to them. And they need him back. So, hopefully the 4-6 to six timeline we got a few days ago looks closer to 4. I believe the season wraps up within that timeline. So, let me see here. I mean... Just for reference, the last game of the regular season is in the middle of May. It's about five weeks from now. So yeah, May 16th. Final games of the season. So let's see if Malik Beasley comes back before then. If we can see a little bit of Malik Beasley with the score. And if not, then we don't. And that, folks, is the life of being a Timberwolves fan. You expect the worst and still hope for the best. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at BeefStu69. That is B-E-E-F-S-T-U-6-9. And, of course, be sure to check us out over at hoop-ball.com. All the basketball content you're looking for, hoop-ball.com. Folks, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.